Sir John Baggett Glubb is a specialist in the life expectancy of empires. Now, Sir John Baggett Glubb says that 250 years is the maximum amount of time that any empire will exist before it starts to falter under its own problems. And that main problem that all empires have died because of, no, it's not COVID, it's reaching for too much power. Meaning the ring of power that they're groping for is in their minds only there to lift themselves up and subjugate everybody else rather than lifting everybody up. Okay, completely unrelated news. The United States is about to have its 250th birthday party in 2026. That's just four short years away. And it happens to be almost exactly the point in time where the book, The Fourth Turning, is saying that this current crisis period that only comes around every 80 to 90 years, like clockwork, will peak. So this crisis period will peak around 2026, and by 2027, 2028, it will give way to a whole new world. So if you want that storybook ending that we've been hoping for, where power actually seems to benefit all people, regardless of your belief systems and ideologies, then we need to write it ourselves. So let's do it with the help of great minds like Daniel Schmachtenberger and Tristan Harris. And I'm going to show you some clips of them. We really need to understand that this brand new era, this technological era is already upon us. And which way the cookie crumbles is actually up to us. And it must be up to us. It's the only way for this story not to keep cycling in on itself where bad news gives rise to a new regime that eventually gropes for too much power and the same cycle repeats itself on and on and on. If we want to break that cycle, first thing you have to do is smash that like button. Do it. Or else. Welcome back. It is obvious that we are living in times where it's quite difficult to get real accurate information and to know, especially if you're getting that information from the internet, that that information is actually useful, valuable, unbiased, and here to serve all people collectively. When 19 out of 20 Christian Facebook pages are run from Eastern European troll farms to fan the flames of controversial topics like guns, race, gender inequality, politics, and things of the like, what can be seen as the real issue that we are facing here is an algorithm set on the destruction of any hope for unification between the people at all. This means that real solutions really will only come from higher order thinking, something that may not appear to be thinking at all. It might appear to be something like an intuition, a call from the deep, something that happens in between people. It's an appeal to irrational solutions that emerge from the grassroots of people who are choosing harmony in sectors that matter most and are also choosing to leave alone the very inflammatory topics and sectors of conversation that seem to do nothing but poke and trigger at inflamed situations that are already ravaging the harmony of the people. Here's a podcast Joe Rogan did with Tristan Harris and Daniel Schmachtenberger that highlights the growing power of exponential technology and shows how it slanted 
towards division and tensions. When social media's business model is showing each tribe their boogeyman, their extreme reality, it forces a more polarized political base, which means to get elected, you have to say something that's going to appeal to a base that's more divided. And in the Facebook files that Francis Haugen put out, um, they showed that when Facebook changed the way its ranking system worked uh, in 2018 to something called meaningful social interactions, I won't go into details, they talked to political parties in Europe. So here we are, it's 2018, they do an interview with political parties in Poland and Hungary and Taiwan and India. And, and these political parties say, Facebook, we know you changed your ranking system. And Facebook like smugly responds, yeah, everyone has a conspiracy theory about how we change our ranking system because those stories go viral. And they're like, no, 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 we know that you changed how your ranking system works because we used to be able to publish, here's a white paper on our agriculture policy to deal with like soil degradation. And now when we publish the white paper, we get crickets. We don't get any response. And we tested it. And the only thing that we get a traffic and attention on is when we say negative things about the other political parties. So, and they say, we know that's bad. We don't want to do that. We don't want to like run our campaign that's about saying negative things about the other party. But when you change the algorithm, that's the only thing we can do to get attention. It shows how central the algorithm is to everything else. If I'm Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow or anybody who's a political personality, are they really um, saying things just for their TV audience? Or are they also appealing to the algorithm? Because most, more and more of their attention is going to happen downstream in these little clips that get filtered around. So they, they also need to appeal to how the algorithm is rewarding saying negative things about the other party. So what that does is it means you elect a more political like, representative class that's based on disagreeing with the other side and being divided about the other side, which means that it throws a gear into the, rent, the a wrench into the gears of democracy and means that democracy stops delivering results. In a time where we have more crisis, we have more supply chain stuff and inflation and all these other things to respond to, and instead of responding effectively, it's just division all the way down. So perhaps all this division is not really just a slippery slope into an endless abyss. Maybe we're actually supposed to get as close as we can to the flames of World War III before we can actually even see the folly of our actions. And that folly is when we try to control the actions of others by fear and humiliation, rather than trying to engender some kind of inspiration that emerges naturally from the grassroots and causes for us to seek harmony rather than seek safety inside tribalism. That kind of a movement will be irresistible, irrefutable, and therefore inevitable. But that movement is currently not looking healthy under a democratic system where big tech markets are able to circumvent the checks and balances of the state. Every single president under our democratic system has about two years to try and get things done before they have to spend another two years trying to get either reelected or their party back into office. If they try to do anything long term, if they have a 20 year, 30 year, 50 year, even a 10 year goal, the issue becomes they start allocating money and resources for something that they are not going to see in their presidency any results of. So then all the other side has to do is say, look, failed allocation of money and resources. And what happened? We need our party to get in there. In this system, there's not going to be any real long-term planning. How is the United States going to compete with China, who has an autocratic rule? They have a stranglehold over the tech sector and over their business market. 
And with that, they can do long-term planning. They can have one person in office for a long period of time, and they have had, since 1949, a 100-year goal to be the global dominant superpower. They are doing that much more efficiently than the United States is. However, it also is not a healthy way forward for humanity. As you see with the Uyghur Muslims and many people who love freedom, they don't like the surveillance state. They don't like the gamified, tokenized system that we seem to be stepping into. So what then is the solution? Let's say we take any issue that some people care about and think is central, whether we take social justice or climate change or U.S.-China relations. If half of the population thinks that whatever half of, half the population has a solution they want to implement – carbon taxes or whatever. Other half of the population is polarized to think that that is uh, bad and terrible and going to mess everything up. So that other half are still political actors and they're going to escalate how they counter that. How do you get enough cooperation to get anything done, especially where there are real issues and not just have all the energy become waste heat? In an autocracy, let's take China as an example where you don't have to – where you don't have so much internal dissent. You don't have that issue, so you can actually do long-term planning. You've got decentralized catastrophe weapons for everyone if we don't try to regulate the tech in some ways, and that world breaks. Or to say if we don't want decentralized catastrophe weapons for everyone, maybe we do something like the China model, but where you have ubiquitous surveillance, and that's a dystopia of some kind. And so either you centralize the power and you get dystopias or it's decentralized and you get catastrophes. And right now, the future looks like one of those two attractor states most likely. Catastrophes are dystopias. We want a third attractor. How do you have a world that has exponential tech that doesn't go catastrophic where the control mechanisms to keep it from going catastrophic aren't dystopic? So what could that third attractor that Daniel Schmachtenberger is talking about actually be? Could it be an evolved system that actually does what's best not for the powers that be, but what's best carte blanche for all people and the planet itself emerging from the grassroots, meaning it doesn't have to emerge through the bank account or through the complex algorithms of the powers that be, but it is a shared felt sense of value between all people. If we can use technology to actually figure out what that shared value set might be, then we might be able to come into contact with something that is real and tangible as a solution rather than having to hear polarized and weaponized narratives about things that could be solutions, but they only seem like a solution from that side of the aisle because it's communism in disguise or it's authoritarianism in disguise or something else in disguise. What is going to heal the, in a sense, destroyed trust of people who do not feel like they're getting truth from anywhere except from within themselves? Let's take a look at a solution that may not look like anything real global, but it's an infrastructural solution that actually comes from the people themselves. Here's a concept called user-generated urbanism that highlights how people themselves can re-envision how the commons are utilized. In cities where most of the space is used for cars rather than pedestrians, even though there are nine times more pedestrians than drivers, by experimenting with temporary ideas like turning streets into public gathering spaces, it seems to foster the natural ingenuity that emerges from community that has the inviting space to meet, mingle, and share ideas. It's an unengineering of the street. 
who gets to design and produce the public realm in cities? Who gets to build our cities? This is how value systems seem to be refined using biological algorithms, which are the real things we're trying to improve upon, rather than synthetic algorithms, which are incomplete replicas of the real thing and may be partially right, but are always partially biased and wrong. The problem today is those synthetic algorithms seem to turn a profit for those industries that currently own 99% of the steering wheel. And they are currently driving us off a cliff while their PR firms are getting paid big, big bucks to redirect the blame to other sectors only to allow them enough time to continue to extract all the wealth, resource and profit that they possibly can from a dying planet. Now, that might seem hyperbolic. However, this is what must change. And it's not going to happen by using the same tried and true chains of command that we're bullied into believing is the only intelligent and civilized way to arrive at real change. A grassroots, naturally decentralized and purely emergent solution comes from a people who have transcended the game of polarity together, not as a conquest, but of a collectively shared value set that emerges in the spaces in between people and their power. Meaning, the real solution here is a shy entity, and it's only going to speak up and use its voice once the predominant opinions and agendas and narratives forego their soapbox and choose to listen rather than speak. This is when we're going to see that it's not a specific person or an algorithm that comes up with the solution. It's the spaces in between that engender the kind of harmony between people that create solutions that no one of them could have figured out on their own. They're not groping for power. They're seeing the writing on the wall. They realize that the only solution that is going to save us from driving off that cliff that we are minutes away from is something that happens only when we choose to see that those people on the other sides of those tribal aisles that we have constructed in our own minds are the players in the band that are going to bring the harmony that we are desperately missing. It is not going to happen. This shy entity of a solution is not going to use its voice and start singing until we, the band, start playing harmoniously with one another. Meaning the drummer is playing, but the guitarist doesn't like the rhythm, so it starts going on on its own trajectory, and the bassist is like, you know what, if, if they're just going to do their own thing, I'm just going to do my own thing. That's the problem we actually are finding ourselves in. Because we're listening to legacy media, and we're listening to the same old tried and true, scared, authoritative narrative builders, because they don't know how to solve the problem because they haven't shut up in decades, if centuries. We all need to shut our mouths and listen to the harmony that is already brewing. It's in between the spaces here. It's alive. It's here. And it wants to speak. It wants to sing. And it will as soon as we, the people, begin to realize that our neighbors are not to be distrusted they're here to be understood in ways that we could not conceive of in our bubble of thinking. And we need to crack out of that by foregoing our own soapbox, 
and clickety clacking on our keyboards with all these opinions saying what we think is going on, saying that they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong, we need to listen to me, that's not what's going to help. Not even Ben Stewart is going to help in that case. What we really need is to engender the kind of communication that happens only in the spaces that we allow for people to speak up when we do not threaten them with our own voices and narratives and pointing fingers. So that must mean we need to terraform our cities, our spaces, urban, suburban, and otherwise, in ways where we are actually engendering community. That's the solution. When you get community together, not bickering at one another, but you actually give space to celebrate, to do the things that seem to be less important, but quite a bit more potent and interactive. When we are allowed to calm our nervous systems down and just celebrate being alive a little bit more and share the commons in ways that actually give the gifts of its beingness back to us rather than siphon all that resource and all that goodness up to a top that we never get to see. When we start to really engender collective community, that's when you will see a collective artistic revolution like never seen before. That's what I'm excited about. That's what I'm going to try and give a lot more of a foundation for over at Ben Joseph Stewart in the Deeper Dives. So if you go over and become a member, you will get exclusive content. And in that exclusive content, in the episode that is related to this episode, I'm going to share with you what I believe to be the best practices and ways that we can lower the inflammatory markers in our nervous system in order for us to actually hear that what we think are the problems may actually have inherent within them some of the solutions. If you want that, go over to benjosephstewart.com, sign up to become a member, join the Discord group. That's where the community is getting together and just talking about all the subjects that we're talking about on this show. And with that being said, I'll catch you all next time on Waking Inflammation.